Welcome back to our second episode of Tuesday Tales. We did it again. What? Following through commitment. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. I had a lot of fun preparing for this. Yeah, I feel like this is one that I feel very unprepared for. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I okay. Don't, I don't know like anything about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so excited to share it with you because I love Jane Austen. And as like, that's one of the reasons why I suggested like the Sarah Eden book that we were reviewing technically next week when it gets, when this gets released. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This will um, post before Seeking Perception. Yeah. We are, we are pre-recording. I mean, like we always, of course, record it before the day it's published, but often sometimes it's really close to the day that we're actually publishing it. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's in that is true Taryn and Chelsea fashion. But this time, Chelsea leaves. We're recording this. What day is it? It's, it's the, Tuesday. I know, but it's the 6th? Is it the 6th? Oh, the 6th. I don't know. Yeah. It's the 6th, and Chelsea leaves on Thursday to go to Germany. I'm Yay! so excited. Because she hasn't seen her husband in two and a half months. We are not going to record while she's there. So that's Yeah, sorry. Love you guys, but not that much. Nope. <laughs> nope, nope. Also, timing-wise, that would not work unless one of us wants to stay up way late or get up really early. Yeah. But anyway, Kay, I have a funny story that is might be slightly TMI, but it's fine. So, <laughs> something about me that you don't need to know is my feet get really dry. I swear this has a I, this has a point. <laughs> um, and sometimes like it's like a family thing, like my dad's feet are really bad. My mom has really bad feet. And I think I got it the worst out of my siblings where regardless of how much lotion I put on, my feet will just crack and it just, it hurts really bad. If you, it's like you, you know what I mean? Anyway, but this week (laughs) I'm dealing with it right now. And so I can't, I have to like basically walk on the balls of my feet. Otherwise it like splits open the cuts every time I take a step. And after reading The Little Mermaid, I swear this, I told you this has a point. (laughs) Every step that I take that I am in pain, I'm like, she's an idiot. Who would volunteer for this times 10 just for a guy you've never talked to before? (laughs) So dumb. I'll have you know, Taryn, that one of my coworkers said to me today, she's like, I listened to your, I listened to your Little Mermaid one and- it's ruined the Little Mermaid. Never gonna look at <laughs> yes! the same. I was like, I know. So, passing on the trauma. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, I love it. That also makes me very happy that somebody's listening to our podcast. <laughs> it is kind of satisfying. But yes, that's my that was my thought as I'm walking in pain. I'm like, who? Why? What? What is this? So I've related very much to the story. Not that I approve of it, but. That was my real-life application. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) our episode today, we have titled The Best of Jane Austen. I feel like I have to say that, of course, everybody has different opinions. And so I might think, like, these are just some fun scenes that I really like. Chelsea is not as into Jane Austen as I am. I read all of the books. It's been a while since I read all of them, so I had to go through like spark notes and refresh some of like the specific details. But anyway, you wanted to say something. I see your face. I was gonna say by saying I'm not as big of a fan, what she really means is I've literally <laughs> never read a Jane Austen book in my life. I've seen the Kira Knightley version of God. Pride and Prejudice, and that is the extent 
of my exposure to Jane Austen. Uh, That's okay. That is a-okay. I checked it out from the library once. Good job. That's more than a lot of people have done. My stepmom for Christmas years ago got me um, all of her books in like the small size that they were originally printed in. And they're hardcover and have beautiful, they have like illustrations in it. And it has the gold, is it leafing? Like on the outside of the pages. Yeah. And they're little and they have little like ribbon bookmarks in them. They're beautiful and I love them. I need to buy new copies because I almost feel bad reading out of them. They're so pretty. (laughs) It's one of those situations. So I've been a fan of Jane Austen for a while. But again, I'm not like the definitive, this is what's awesome and this is what's not awesome. So I just went through each of the stories, except for Emma, because it's my least favorite. Um, <laughs> I just don't like Emma as a character. She's not She's not the coolest. I love Jane Austen, and I think like it's still a good story. She's just not my favorite. So I went through all of the other books, and I picked scenes or just some phrases or things that I thought would be fun to tell Chelsea and discuss or some of like the most popular things. Yeah. So that's it. That's, so, that's the plan for the episode. This will be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and Chelsea, you don't even have to buy the books. They're in the public domain. You can literally Google I know. Pride and Prejudice PDF and read it. <laughs> I need to get an audiobook. I feel like that's what would do it yeah. for me. I think that's what I'm going to end up having to do. I should do that. It's like embarrassing how much I love reading and I've never read a Jane Austen novel. This is a little it's embarrassing. Okay. Don't judge there me. There are so many books. <laughs> And the more and more that we've been, like, we have the next three months mapped out, and we have some really exciting stuff that we're doing, and I'm really excited. Um, But there are so many books that we will never, even if we did this for the rest of our lives, we would not even be able to review every book that we've read. So I feel like we can cut ourselves some slack. Also, the classics are not always that great. So... (laughs) It's okay to be kind of skeptical, but I think Jane Austen is one that everybody should definitely read. And not just Pride and Prejudice. Sense and Sensibility is my is I think is my all-time favorite, but I also love Mansfield Park and Northanger Abbey's up there too. I like all of them, but anyway. <laughs> I'm trying not to go in as much of like a detailed rant as I have in the last I feel like the last couple of episodes <laughs> or the last <laughs> last couple that we've recorded. Not necessarily how they've been, how they've been published. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready? What book do you want to start with? I feel like we have to start with Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Because it's the most well known, and it's the one that I know. Okay. We can start out with the one that you know. So everybody knows Pride and Prejudice. We got our Mister Darcy. We have Elizabeth and Jane, and and we've all seen Austin Land. Austin Land. Okay. I have. To, if you <laughs> haven't seen Austin Land. I have. No, not you. I'm talking to our audience. Oh, if you, like, our no. listener, have not seen Austin Land, you have to watch Austin Land. It's a freaking masterpiece. I read the book and the book is good too, but this is one where I think that the movie is better than the book. It's slightly personally. different. There are some changes that they made, but just the way the actors so that they got for it, what's her bucket that plays... Miss Charming. Oh, she freaking kills so me. So good. Oh, man. I quote it. So and quotable. this is one of the only. So Andrew, my husband, is awesome. And he had four sisters growing up. And his mom, like, he watched all of these movies growing up. So he'll sit and watch them with me. 
And I asked him if he had ever seen Austin Lane. He was like, I don't know. Like, it's probably not going to be that funny. Him and my stepdad, like, every man that I have had watch this movie has thought it was funny. It's funny. So it's if my one. stepdad, who does is not into any sort of stuff like this, <laughs> thinks it's funny, everybody will think it's funny. You need to go watch it. It's worth checking it's, out. It's so good. <laughs> and also, the guy who plays, uh, <clears throat> is it Knightley? Yeah. The guy who plays yeah. Mr. Knightley, J.J. something. His name's J.J. You clearly know more about this cast than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was just in the version of Northanger Abbey that I just watched to refresh. Wait, really? Yeah. So I love him. And the character in it is a British history professor, which is like my jam. So <laughs> I, I like that movie a lot. It's really funny. That's a good one. It's a good one. Anyway, okay. Pride and Prejudice. There's a big debate on what the best Pride and Prejudice movie is. The Kira Knightley one is not my favorite. It's beautiful and I like the music. But like according to the story, it's not the best. Also, Kira Knightley is gorgeous and amazing and a wonderful actress. She's just not Elizabeth. She's not. She's not. Okay. And I will good to know. And I will fight people over it. And if you want to message me angry words, you're more than welcome to. You just, just make them nice angry words. Make them nice angry words, yeah. <laughs> you can just add like three exclamation points and we'll be good. But so that one's not my favorite. I'm like the normal I'm too good for people and I like the six hour long BBC one. Just because it's as close to the book as you can possibly get it. But anyway, okay, the clip or the section that I have that I think we can just take turns reading it, maybe. I don't know. Okay. We can go paragraph to paragraph and kind of just great. see it. I have the first introduction of Mr. Darcy. So when they first meet at that ball that, um, what's his bucket? <laughs> I'm blanking on people's names. Mr. Bingley throws. This is, this is where, like, you get to meet Mr. Darcy. Mr. Bingley was good-looking and gentleman-like. He had a pleasant countenance and easy, unaffected manners. His sisters were fine women with an air of decided fashion. His brother-in-law, Mr. Hurst, merely looked the gentleman. But his friend, Mr. Darcy, soon drew the attention of the room by his fine, tall, han tall person, handsome features, noble mien, and the report which was in general circulation within five minutes after his entrance, of his having 10,000 a year. The gentleman pronounced him to be a fine figure of a man. The ladies declared he was much handsomer than Mr. Bingley, and he was looked at with great admiration for about half the evening, till his manners gave a disgust which turned the tide of his popularity, for he was discovered to be proud, to be above his company and above being pleased, and not all his large estate in Derbyshire could then save him from having a most forbidding, disagreeable countenance and being unworthy to be compared with his friend. <laughs> I just love it because he like walks in the room and he's like, oh my gosh, he's hot and he's rich. And so all the girls are like, oh my gosh. And then he starts talking and it's like, Ugh. JK. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. You opened your mouth and you ruined it. <laughs> oh, people oh, man. are so fickle. I feel like I, has that ever happened to you though, where you meet somebody or you see somebody, you're like, oh, okay, like we're married now, whatever. But like, 
when you would go to a public gathering and you're like, oh my gosh, they're so cute. And then you start talking to them, I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, you think you are so cool. I don't care how much money you have. You're the worst. And of course, he has redemption and yada, yada, yada. But I just think it's really funny. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) Mr. Bingley had soon made himself acquainted with all the principal people in the room. He was lively and unreserved, danced every dance, was angry that the ball closed so early, and talked of giving one himself himself at Netherfield. Such amiable qualities must speak for themselves. What a contrast between him, him and his friend. Mr. Darcy danced only once with Mrs. Hurst and once with Miss Bingley, Des- declined being introduced to any other lady, and spent the rest of the evening in walking about the room, speaking occasionally to one of his own party. His character was decided. He was the proudest, most disagreeable man in the world, and everybody hoped that he would never come there again. Amongst the most violent against him was Mrs. Bennet, whose dislike of his general behavior was sharpened into particular resentment by his having slighted one of his daughters, one of her daughters. I just <laughs> love the fact that it's like everyone's like, I hope we never see him again. It's like, okay. <laughs> Yep. Wow, we've got some strong feelings here. Like, <sighs> yep, this uh, rich guy just comes in, and you're the worst. Doesn't even dance sir. with me. Doesn't even dance, and then we get into the the great line that he has. <clears throat> Elizabeth Bennet had been obliged by the scarcity of gentlemen to sit down for two dances, and during part of that time, Mister Darcy had been standing near enough for her to hear a conversation between him and Mister Bingley who came from the dance for a few minutes to press his friend to join. "'Come, Darcy,' he said. "'I must have you dance. I hate to see you standing about by yourself in this stupid manner. You had you had much better dance.' "'I certainly shall not. You know how I detest it, unless I am particularly acquainted with my partner. At such an assembly as this, it would be insupportable. Your sisters are engaged, and there is not another woman in the room whom it would not be a punishment to me to stand up with.' I would not be so fastidious as you are, cried Mr. Bingley, for a kingdom. Upon my honor, I never met with so many pleasant girls in my life as I have this evening, and there are several of them you see uncommonly pretty. You're dancing with the only handsome girl in the room, said Mr. Darcy, looking at the eldest Miss Bennet. Oh, she's the most beautiful creature I ever beheld, but there is one of her sisters sitting down just behind you who's very pretty, and I dare say very agreeable. Do let me ask my partner to introduce you. Which do you mean? And, turning round, he looked for a moment at Elizabeth, till, catching her eye, he withdrew his own and coldly said, She's tolerable, but not handsome enough to tempt me. I am no humor at present to give consequence to young ladies who are slighted by other men. You'd better return to your partner and enjoy her smiles, for you're wasting your time with me. Mr. Bingley followed his advice. Mr. Darcy walked off, and Elizabeth remained with with no very cordial feelings towards him. She told the story, however, with great spirit among her friends, for she had a lively, playful disposition which delighted in anything ridiculous. I can't imagine thinking myself so cool that I'm like, I'm way too hot and way too cool to dance (laughs) with them. Like, and I love that Jane Austen made a point of saying that the reason she had to sit out for the dance is because there weren't enough men there. (laughs) <laughs> and then he's making a comment about like, oh, she was slighted and she wasn't chosen. It's like, no, jerk. Just it's because you're guys. not dancing with people and there are too few guys there. 
the thing that makes me laugh is she makes a point too of saying like they made eye contact and then he said she's not pretty enough for me like mm-hmm. yep. did you not think she could hear you or did you just not care like oh gosh mr darcy what an idiot have you seen i saw them on pinterest all the time like in high school there are like clips from the movie where it's it's like what he says and then like hashtags of what he's thinking in his brain and so like with this point when he says that it's like in his head he's like oh do you think she'll think i'm cool um i wonder if she'll like think i'm cool because i think that i'm too hot for her (laughs) it was just (laughs) all of these dumb things where he's like oh "Oh, i hope that came across right (laughs) it's like no i hope sir she she read into this is me being cool (laughs) Why? Why? Just ask her to dance, you idiot. Like, oh, man. One of my least favorite parts of the Pride and Prejudice movie with Kira Knightley is the directing of the very last scene in the movie, which is not in the book. It's the whole, like, um, Mr. Dar- or Miss- Mrs. Darcy clip where they're, like, sitting outside. And she's like, oh, well, what am I to call you when, like, blah, blah, blah. You know that whole scene? They talk so fast. Like, they go back so fast that it's almost not even realistic. Because, like, I can't think of a response that fast. It's like her sentence (laughs) ends and he starts. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It just just happens so fast. It's not my favorite. (laughs) I have lots of really dumb critiques like that. (laughs) But I love the music. I love the music of that. I learned how to play one of the songs. Like, the opening song, I learned how to play that on the piano. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Okay. That's Pride and Prejudice. That's the one clip that I had. I just think it's so funny because the change of his character to the end of the book where he goes and he, like, saves the reputation of her sister and pays all this money to get her back and to get them married. And then his, like, final proposal. I'm like, ugh, it's beautiful and I love it. I'll read it someday. Someday. (laughs) I believe in you. I got this. It's so good. Okay. I just thought that, I just thought that was scene was funny. That's why I picked it. Okay, <laughs> Sense and Sensibility. Um, do you know anything about Sense and Sensibility? I don't know a single thing about Sense and Sensibility. Okay. All right, we have like a family, the mom di- or the dad dies and the uh, his new wife or his second wife um, has three daughters, but because he had a son with his first wife, he's the one that like inherits everything, mm-hmm. and his wife is the worst. And so they barely give any money. Like on the dad's deathbed, he tells his son, "Like please take care of them." I think his first wife died, and so um, he's like, "Please take care of them as family." And then his daughter-in-law's like, well, he just meant, like, barely give them enough to survive. Like, he's not saying that you should actually take care of them. So he gives them, like, (laughs) he kicks them out of the house and gives them barely enough money to go get, like, the the mom's cousin invites them to come live on his property. And he has, like like, a cabin type thing. But it's in the movie. It's beautiful. It's, like, right by the ocean, the 2008 movie. Um. So they go and live there, but they only have, like, one servant instead of a bunch. And so it's a mom and the three daughters. The oldest is Eleanor, who I love so much. And then there's Marianne, and then the youngest is Margaret. 
So they go and it's just their story of like meeting people and falling in love. And in the original movie, like the longer Sense and Sensibility movie, Alan Rickman's in it. Emma, <gasps> um, Emma Thompson's in it. Hugh Grant is in it. Like, there's a lot of big names in the original one. And then the 2008 one has Dan Stevens, Mr. Weasley from Harry Potter, and, like, a few other bigger names. So the movies, I actually, I I love the movies. I think they did a really good job. But anyway, so um, my favorite, though, so Eleanor is the oldest sister, and she's pretty reserved. Like, she's kind of the one keeping the family sane because they've been having, they've had so much money their whole life that cutting back was really difficult for them. So she kind of steps up to the plate and helps run the household. And her younger sister, Marianne is very like romantic and she's obsessed with like, uh, with like music and poetry. And she just wants this like super romantic and glamorized life, but they have no money. And so her love story is she originally is introduced to Colonel Brandon, who is played by Alan Rickman in the older version and is played by the guy who plays Tony's dad in Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, lots of fun people. So her, that's her first, like, so she's originally, Oh, just kidding. Sorry. He's not Colonel Brandon. The Colonel Brandon, uh, in the newer one is somebody else. Mr. Willoughby is played by Howard Stark. Sorry, I'm getting all this mixed up. Anyway, he's a scoundrel. <laughs> they fall in love. He's like the Wickham of the story. So he comes in, causes problems. He had gotten, I think, an, not pregnant, but he was like flirting it up and having relations with this other girl that they didn't know about. So she come, he comes and like breaks Marion's heart. And then she ends up with Colonel Brandon and Eleanor is in love with... Wait, with Colonel Brandon? Yeah, she ends up marrying Colonel Brandon. I know, it's kind of strange. Oh. So you okay. just have to watch it, and so hopefully I'm not, like, ruining the story for you. <laughs> so she ends up getting married, which is super awesome for her. Eleanor is in love with Edward um, Ferris? Yes. So, um, and that's the Dan Stevens in, in the new one. We love, we love Dan Stevens. So she falls in love with him, but then since they're poor and his family's very wealthy, he's like expected to marry better. And then, but at the same time, you find out that he's had this secret engagement to this other woman um, when he was like younger, like before he met Eleanor, he was like, they had been engaged for like four years and he hadn't told his family. And so, but what happens is like, once that girl finds out that he's not going to get like any inheritance because he has an older brother, she ends up going and marrying her, his older brother. So she like calls off the engagement <laughs> and marries the older brother. So then that opens up Edward to be able to marry Eleanor. So the scene that I have clipped for this is right after Edward finds out that the other chick has called off the engagement and so he's able to go and propose to Eleanor. I know it's really complicated. I didn't think about having to like explain the whole story. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That but makes it's, sense. Oh, but it's so good. So this one, it's not as long. Lucy was the girl who he was engaged to. It'll make that comment later. 
Okay, unaccountable, however, as the circumstances of his release might appear to the whole family, it was certain that Edward was free, and to what purpose that freedom would be employed was easily predetermined by all. For after experiencing the blessings of one imprudent, imprudent engagement, contracted without his mother's consent, as he had already done for more than four years, nothing less could be expected of him in the failure of that than the immediate, contra immediate contraction of another. His errand at Barton, in fact, was a simple one. It was only to ask Eleanor to marry him. And considering that he was not altogether inexperienced in such a question, it might be strange that he should feel so uncomfortable in the present case as he really did, so much in need of encouragement and fresh air. He's already proposed before. It shouldn't be that hard again. Come on, dude. <laughs> how soon he had walked himself into the proper resolution, however, how soon an opportunity of exercising it occurred, in what manner he expressed himself, and how he was received. Not, well, I did not read that punctuation correctly. And how he was received not need not be particularly told. This only need be said, that when they all sat down to the table at four o'clock, about three hours after his arrival, he had secured his lady, engaged her mother's consent, and was not only in the rapturous profession of the lover, but in the reality of reason and truth, one of the happiest of men. His situation indeed was more than commonly joyful. He had more than the ordinary triumph of accepted love to swell his heart and raise his spirits. He was released without any reproach to himself from an entanglement which had long formed his misery from a woman who he had long ceased to love and elevated at once to the security with another, which he must have thought of almost with despair as soon as he had learnt to consider it with desire. He was brought not from doubt or suspense, but from misery to happiness. And the change was openly spoken in such a genuine glowing, grateful cheerfulness as his friends had never witnessed in him before. His heart was now open to Eleanor, all its weaknesses, all its errors confessed, and his first boyish attachment to Lucy treated with all the philosophical dignity of 24. Oh my gosh, he's so I, cute. He's so cute. And I feel like often in these like romantic stories, you always get the girl's point of view. Like, oh my gosh, this is so excited and happy. But he is so excited to marry Eleanor so and it makes my cute. heart so happy. And also, so maybe oh, go ahead. this is an unpopular opinion, but I actually like that it didn't show, like it didn't walk you through the actual proposal. It's like, all you need to know is it worked out and they're happy and so it's amazing. That's the case. In almost all of her books, there is no kissing, and you hardly get the actual words of the proposal. Huh. Yeah, interesting, right? It's just when they put it into a movie that, of course, audiences, they need, like, they want an actual, like, verbal proposal, and they want to see some kissing. But... That's so interesting. Yeah, right? So one thing that I really that makes me love Edward Edward's character so much is he had proposed to propose to Lucy when he was younger. He was at college and at that time they did love each other, but he stuck to that commitment. Even though he fell in love with Eleanor, he like not on purpose. He just, they met at the house because so this is the weird family connection. Okay. Edward's sister is married to Eleanor's half brother. Or sorry, rewind. 
Edward's <laughs> si- yeah, Edward's sister is married to Eleanor's half brother. So like the crazy okay. lady at the beginning, that's like you don't need to give him any money. That's Edward's sister. Oh. So he shows up to like visit his sister at her new home, and that's when he meets Eleanor. And so they just they get along so well, and he falls in love. But he's been engaged to Lucy, and he will not call that off out of like respect and um because he made that commitment but when she releases him of it he's like oh sweet and he goes immediately to propose to Eleanor. that's so cute right he's so nice i really i really do like his character and he like stands up to his bratty family because they're all like worried about names and titles and and money and he's like i'm not gonna have a lot of money and if you're okay with that i'd really like to marry you (laughs) and she's like deal Oh, so good. One thing, you'll have to watch the film, because in both of the films, it makes me so happy that when Edward comes in to see Eleanor, she thinks that he's married. Because they hear of Mr. Ferris getting married, and so they assume it's him because she knows of of this engagement. And so he shows up, and she's so sad and then he's and they're like, oh, we have to congratulate you on the marriage. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll pass that information along. And they're like, no, you. And he's like, oh, no, I didn't get married. My brother got married. And Eleanor just like starts <laughs> immediately crying. She's like, what? <laughs> like, you're available. And then that's when he proposes. Yes. And she's just sobbing out of relief. And I'm like, yes. I love her yes, character. Please. She's quiet and she just loves her family and, and works hard. And she deserves all the love and happiness in the world. So good. I'm glad you think so. Now go watch it. Okay. <laughs> and read it. Okay. Like I said, we're skipping Emma. I I watched the new one. I've always had a hard time with Emma. and Maybe I need to read it again. But the point of Emma is that she is a noble woman, like all of these characters, like middle class. Um. And she plays matchmaker and in the process of playing matchmaker, like really throws a wrench in multiple people's lives because she's just like bored and wants to mess with people's love lives. And so she like at one point tells this girl to refuse an engagement or a proposal, which like she loves this guy and he loves her, but she's like, oh no, he's beneath you. Like, don't accept that. So she just causes lots of problems. And I don't. I don't really feel like she feels bad at the end of the book, but I need to reread it. Maybe it's better the second time. Maybe it's better the second time as an adult. Maybe I'll appreciate her more. I don't know. Um, But what's really weird is in the new movie, when the guy's proposing to her, she gets a nosebleed. Like, she just starts bleeding in the middle of the proposal. Yeah. Why? That's a fantastic question. I don't know why. And Seems it's just like an odd thing to add. Really, really strange. Really strange. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's Emma. Um, yeah. See, like, it's just, it was weird. And I didn't like the costumes. I did not feel like they were historically accurate. And yeah, that's all I have to say about Emma. All right. Emma's, Emma's not, it's not high on my list to read now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You do have to read all of them, but maybe wait on Emma. Okay, okay. <laughs> we have three left. We have Mansfield Park, Persuasion, and Northanger Abbey. Okay, which one do you want? Northanger Abbey, we're going to talk about novels in the early 1800s. Persuasion, we have 
a really intense letter from the guy that makes me so happy. And Mansfield Park, I got all the drama for you. Okay, walk me through Mansfield Park. Let's do this. Oh my gosh. Okay, so main character, Fanny. Her name is Fanny. I hate that name so much. (laughs) Okay. So she is from, she is a poor relation of this family. So she's cousins. Like, I can't remember exactly how they're related. She's brought over when she's 10. She's brought to this house to be a companion for one of the older ladies. So to just help take care of her, which is like awesome for her because her family's really poor and they can't get her an education. So she goes and she writes and she has like a proper upbringing. So she has manners and etiquette and all that fun stuff. So, um, she grows up with two, there's two girls and a guy, there is Lydia and I can't remember. Is Lydia nice? I really like the name Lydia, so I want her to be nice. No. No, she's trash. Um, Lydia and I can't remember her sister's name. I want to say it's Maria. So we have Lydia, I want to say Maria, and then the boy is Edmund. So Edmund and Fanny are good friends as they grow up. They're all of a sudden adults. And this family comes into town that I can't remember how they're who they're friends with. I think they're friends with Lydia, who has since been married. And she her husband's kind of ridiculous. Like she's really excited to get married because he has lots of money, but he's kind of just clueless. He's not he's not very like engaging and he just cares a lot about his gardens and and not really anything that Lydia likes. So this family... How dare you bash his gardens? I know, right? He is played <laughs> by the dad from Downton Abbey in um, the, the movie that I watch with him in it. So uh, at one point, these two, this, this brother and this sister come. It's Mary and Henry. Mary starts to like Edmund and Henry starts to like Fanny. So skipping to the most dramatic part of this. So they're hanging out for a while. Edmund is the, oh, there's an older brother too, but he's gone. Like he's doing his own thing. So Edmund, which is important. Edmund is not, he's the second son. So he is not set to inherit like anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's not inheriting the title. So Henry quote unquote, falls in love with Fanny and is like determined to marry her. So he proposes, she says no, because she feels like there's some sketch vibes. Like she sees that he's really close to Lydia, really sketch sketch vibes. vibes. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We might have to make another, another reel with that sound. So he proposes, she says no, because she's like, look, we don't, I don't really know you. And she's like, you're just weird. I don't like, it's like, she just got bad vibes. He continues to propose. Like he proposes multiple times. She says, no. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. And then he goes and talks to her current, uh, like the guy that's in like Miss or her uncle or whatever, the guy who she's living with. Henry goes directly to him and asks for her hand. And he's like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. You have money. She's poor. This is an awesome, like, connection for our families. So he goes to her and is like, you need to marry him. And she says no. Edmund goes to her, who, of course, she's in love with, because that's what the whole story is. 
Edmund even goes to her and says, you should marry Henry. And she says, no, I don't want to marry him. So her uncle uh, sends her back to live with her family for a little bit because it's like, you need to be reminded of your real family and how poor you are and how lucky you are to have Henry propose to you. So she goes and spends time with her family. Edmund is going to London to propose to Mary, Henry's sister, because he's like, they're in love. Henry comes to visit her when she's living at her house with her family and he, and like, he proposes again, like he brings it up again. And she's like, no, I really don't want to. So he leaves, but he's like almost like charming her a little bit. And she's thinking like, she's looking at her super poor circumstances and she's like, maybe it wouldn't be terrible. Maybe I'm just kind of overreacting. And then, uh, making sure I'm getting the timeline right. Edmund's older brother. So the heir to all of their money gets sick and Mary sends a letter to Fanny who's the one that likes Edmund right I know there's lots of names and is like oh my gosh it would be so awesome if he died because then Edmund will get the money (laughs) right okay and so she's like this is terrible um and then but Henry is still So at this point, Henry's gone, but she gets word that he's still spending a lot of time with Lydia, who is, again, married, okay? All of a sudden, one day, Fanny gets a letter from Mary that says, hey, if you hear any gossip about Henry and Lydia, just ignore it. And, um, and she's like, what kind of gossip? And then, like, the next day in the papers her dad is reading it and it says that there's like a scandal where she left her husband. She ran away with Henry. So when, when Lydia or when Fanny super appropriate in that time period. Yes. So when Fanny is hearing all of this, uh, there's like lots of other problems going on. The oldest son is still sick. So she finally, she's been living with her family for a while. She gets called back and she shows up. And the family has the audacity to say that it is her fault that this happened because she refused to marry him. <laughs> I love it. I, oh, people are the worst. It makes me want to punch a wall. Like, who, like, ugh. Oh, it was so annoying. And so Edmund has called off, uh, Edmund isn't proposing to marry because of this whole scandal. Like, they don't want to be connected with that at all. Um... And so then that's when Fanny tells him, like, oh, yeah, well, that's good because she literally was talking about how great it would be if your brother died so that you could get the money. And he's like, yeah, she's trash. And then the book ends pretty abruptly with just saying that, like, Edmund and Fanny do eventually end up getting together. Henry and Lydia, which I'm now realizing I think I got the sisters' names mixed up. So it's Lydia or Maria, okay? One of them runs off with Henry. (laughs) They end up splitting up, but since she has been, like, formally divorced by her husband, she has to just take one of her maids, and they move, and they just fight all the time. So she lives on the European continent somewhere. Um, And everybody is sad, basically, except for Edmund and Fanny, who end up finally getting married, and they just love each other and are super happy. Wow. That's the story. That sounds like some real insane drama. But what's so crazy in the movie, which, of course, like I said, they're going to dramatize it. The way that she finds out that Henry and Lydia, or Maria, whatever her name is, is having an affair is she literally walks in on them having sex. (laughs) Oh. 
So it's a little bit, a little bit more dramatic. And then she finally goes and tells people and there's, and they're still like, oh, I guess like, I guess we should kind of believe you why you don't want to marry him. But then after that, they (laughs) run off together and it's her fault because she didn't accept his proposal. And she's like, y'all crazy. So the line that I have from here is like, at one point, Edmund keeps going and like telling her, you should marry Henry. You should marry Henry. And she responds with this. I should have thought, said Fanny, after a pause of recollection and exertion, that every woman must have felt the possibility of a man's not being approved, not being loved by someone of her sex at least. Let him be ever so generally agreeable. Let him have all the perfections in the world. I think it ought not to be set down as certain that a man must be acceptable to every woman he may happen to like himself. So guys need to realize that just because you like a girl doesn't mean she has to like you back. And I mean, obviously there's some weird stuff going on, but just in general, even if that doesn't make you a bad person, you can be a great person and a girl's not obligated to like you. Nobody is obligated to like you. I had to like even remind myself when I was dating if I liked somebody and they didn't like me back, that doesn't make them a bad person. I would mm-hmm. rather be with somebody who, I don't know, likes me. What? You know what I mean? I know, that sounds really ridiculous. But I love this line. <laughs> this book was released in 1814. And I just love how in all of her books, Jane Austen used, they were social commentaries. She was mm-hmm. she was making points about what was going on, especially for women and like middle class women in England and how they had to live their life. So it's amazing that she's saying this, like just because you like somebody, especially men, that doesn't mean that the woman has to like you back or even like enjoy your presence. Yep. Just because you're a guy doesn't mean that you are a gift to the world. What, what a revolutionary, revolutionary I, concept. I know. It's beautiful. I love it. I'm getting mad respect for Jane Austen right now. Go Jane. <laughs> Go Jane. She's super cool. I really like her. Okay, persuasion. The most important part, okay? Anna, I'm just kidding. Anne, she was in love with this guy, but he was super poor, so his fam- her family made her turn down a proposal. Years later, he comes back as a very successful captain who has made a name for himself, and now he has a lot of money, and she still loves him. She never loved anybody else, but now she's worried that he thinks that she's going to, that she likes him just because he has money, and she doesn't know if he loves her too, like if he still loves her. End of Mm -hmm. the book, it gets to the point where Anne and the guy's friend are having a conversation while he's sitting there like aggressively writing a letter. And they're just talking and Anne makes a point of how she she thinks that women love longer than men. Like their love is longer lasting and men are more fickle. And so they finish this conversation. Captain Wentworth, who's the guy that she is in love with, they like abruptly get up to leave and he like barely says bye and just walks out the door. And she's like, okay, I guess guess (laughs) this is cool. And then he immediately turns around, comes back in, aggressively shoves this letter into her hand and just looks at her and then walks out. Okay, and this is what the letter says. I can listen no longer in silence. I must speak to you by such means as are within my reach. You pierce my soul. I am half agony, half hope. Tell me not that I am too late. 
that such precious feelings are gone forever. I offer myself to you again with a heart even more your own than when you almost broke it eight years and a half ago. Dare not say that man forgets sooner than woman, that his love has an earlier death. I have loved none but you. Unjust I may have been, weak and resentful I may have been, but never inconstant. You alone have brought me to Bath, for you alone I think and plan. Have you not seen this? Can you fail to have understood my wishes? I had not wanted even these ten days, could I have read your feelings, as I think you must have penetrated mine. I can hardly write. I am every instant hearing something which overpowers me. You sink your voice, but I can distinguish the tones of that voice when they would be lost on others. Too good, too excellent creature. You do us justice indeed. You do believe that there is true attachment and constancy among men. Believe it to be most fervent, most undeviating in F.W. I must go uncertain of my fate, but I shall return hither or follow your party as soon as possible. A word, a look, will be enough to decide whether I enter your father's house this evening or not. Whoa. Isn't that, like, the best? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right? <sighs> Is that a little bit more intense than you thought it was going to be? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Some guys in books are just so awkward, and it's so funny to me. Like, I'm not going to talk to her. I'm going to walk away and then just aggressively hand her a letter, and that'll <laughs> win her heart. Yeah. For and sure. Like, he's listening to their conversation. Like, she's like, no, woman love longer. And he's like, bet. And he's, like, writing out this whole letter to prove her wrong. And then, yeah, and then oh she runs gosh. and tells him, like, Yes, I still love you. And then they get engaged and happily ever after. Go team. <laughs> Some people, man. Oh, my and gosh. they're And they're interesting because, like, he, having gotten his position through the army, he's not used to being around, like, super civil, like, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Like, society that's, like, really fancy. And so he's kind of awkward the whole time. <laughs> And he's pretty, he's, he's so sweet though. I do really like him. Persuasion is one that I haven't like revisited super often, but when I was reading this letter, I was like, this is like the, one of the best proposals. Cause this technically wasn't his official proposal, but it was leading up to it. He's like basically saying, if you want me, I want I'll you, propose. I want you baby. Yep. So, <laughs> you want me? I want you baby. My sugar boo. Yep. All of all of the all of the real sounds. Okay, last one, so that I don't keep people too long. The last one is Northanger Abbey, which is different than her other books. So Persuasion and Northanger Abbey were actually released in the same volume. Um, our main characters, we have Catherine Moreland, she's 17, she's the oldest of the girl of her kit of her siblings, and she's a bit ditzy. Okay. Just just a bit. Mm -hmm. Henry Tilney is the guy is the love interest. Eleanor's his sister and they're super nice and we really like them. Their dad's kind of crazy. Um, excuse me. Her friend Isabella is the worst. Also John Thorpe, who's her brother is also the worst. Um, <laughs> so like, especially in the books, like I don't like them. They cause lots of problems, but in the movie, especially like 
the guy who plays John, bless his soul, he is not attractive. And so his, like, jerk comments are almost made worse by the fact that he thinks he's, like, really hot. And it's like, no, you're not. And that's the character. But I just feel bad when people get casted as that. I'm like, I'm going to hate you now. (laughs) Um, Oh, man. So the, the portion that I have from this is the narrator of this story goes on this whole rant about novels of this time period. So this whole book is kind of based, or it's heavily influenced by the gothic novels of the time. So the main character is reading gothic novels and there's lots of discussions and there's some like semi-spooky parts where there's like, she goes to Northanger Abbey and she doesn't know how Henry's mom died. Like she thinks that his dad killed his mom. And so she just has a very active imagination And it causes her problems because she's 17 and just sees the whole world as like this gothic novel. Um, So the author uses this point where it talks about Catherine and Isabella taking time and they like read novels together. And then she like makes this statement. So after saying like they spend time reading novels, she says, yes, novels, for I will not adopt the ungenerous and impolitic, impolitic, again, guys, I don't know how to talk custom so common with novel writers of degrading by their contemptuous censure the very performances to the number of which they are themselves adding joining with their greatest enemies and bestowing the harshest epithets on such works and scarcely ever permitting them to be read by their own heroine who if she accidentally takes up a novel is sure to turn over its insipid pages with disgust alas If the heroine of one novel be not patronized by the heroine of another, from whom can she expect protection and regard? I cannot approve of it. Let us leave it to the reviewers to abuse such effusions of fancy at their leisure, and over every new novel to talk in threadbare strains of the trash with which which the press now groans. Let Let us not desert one another. We are an injured body. Although our productions have afforded more extensive and unaffected pleasure than those of any other literary corporation in the world, no species of composition has been so much decried. From pride, ignorance, or fashion, our foes are almost as many as our readers. And while the abilities of the 900th abridger of the history of England, or of the man who collects and publishes in a volume some dozen lines of Milton, Pope and Prior, with a paper from the spectator and a chapter from Stern, are eulogized by a thousand pens. There seems almost a general wish of decrying the capacity and undervaluing the labor of the novelist, and of sliding the performances which have only genius, wit, and taste to recommend them. I am no novel reader. I seldom look into novels. Do not imagine that I often read novels. It is really very well for a novel." Such is the common cant. And what are you reading, miss? Oh, it's a love only a novel, replies the young lady while she lays down her book with affected indifference or momentary shame. It is only Cecilia or Camilla or Belinda, or in short, only some work in which the greatest powers of the mind are displayed, in which the most thorough knowledge of human nature, the happiest delineation of its varieties, the liveliest effusions of wit and humor are conveyed to the world in the best chosen language. Now, had the same young lady been engaged with a volume of The Spectator instead of such a work, how proudly she would have produced the book and told its name. 
though the chances must be against her being occupied by any part of that voluminous publication of which either the matter or manner would not disgust a young person of taste. The substance of its paper so often consisting in the statement of improbable circumstances, unnatural characters, and topics of conversation which no longer concern anyone living, and their language, too, frequently so coarse as to give no very value, favorable idea of the age that could endure it. I know that was kind of long. Wow, 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 wow. But I feel like there's a lot to break down in there. She's making a commentary of the women who wrote books during this time period and how they were looked down upon. Anybody who was writing gothic novels, especially a woman at this time, they're like, oh, that's disgusting. That's not fit for civilized society. And she's saying, no, the best of literature coming from this time is in these novels. I don't understand why people have to be so judgmental about the books that you read. Why why do you care what I'm reading? A book's a book. I don't come on on like the trash that you're watching on TV. At least I'm, at least, I don't know, building my imagination. Because I mentioned earlier, like before we started about how some people like look down on young adult novels or even like mm-hmm. teen novels. If I were to be outside reading, reading like the Percy Jackson series right now, people are like, why are you reading a teenage level book? I'm like, cause it's an amazing story. Yeah. I get that all the time. Like people constantly look at my bookshelf, which is majority fantasy and has a lot of like YA and teen stuff. And I'm like, I enjoy it. It makes me happy. Like I'm not, some people like reading like, self-help books and that's great that's not what I read um and that's not why I read I read as a release and I don't get like in a mental or emotional release doing that but if you do or like if you're you think that's fun like that's great I don't I support you in that I will buy you books I will say way to go but I want the same respect in return like yeah and especially with like YA fantasy because some people see it like they look at high fantasy and they're like oh yeah if you're reading Tolkien or you're reading Brandon Sanderson's giant flipping books like oh then that's (laughs) that's like a real story but I've read so many YA books that tell a way better story in way fewer pages than some of these (laughs) fantasy writers or even novelists in other genres that I'm like I got what I needed out of this I was entertained, um, and I got a good story, and I got attached. If I'm willing to sit there for five hours, like, straight and read a book, obviously it is, like, hitting its mark. Yep. Like, so I I just flashed back to three years ago. I was sitting on a bus, and I was (laughs) reading His Majesty's Dragon. And the premise of that book is it's the Napoleonic Wars – Mm-hmm. if dragons had existed so you have like the naval and the land but then you also have like the aerial core for like the dragons and the dragon i loved it so i'm like sitting there reading it and the girl next to me was like oh what are you reading i was like oh it's his majesty's dragon she's like oh what's it about so i tell her that description and she was like oh that sounds dumb and like <laughs> like legit told me that it sounded dumb i was like who can hear dragons and follow that up with <laughs> dumb? I was like, okay, well, I don't know what to do with this conversation now because I think it's a freaking cool book. But I was just like, what? 
first of all, if you're going to think that, why would you say it out loud? To with some you random would, chick on the bus. Just say, oh, cool. Well, we, we kind of knew each other, so we were oh. both doing a study abroad program. So it was like, we didn't really know each other. We weren't friends. You were acquaintances, though. But we were acquaintances. But I was like, still, why? I don't, you don't say that to someone. Like, even if it was my best friend and I actually thought the book they were reading sounded dumb, I'm not going to say that sounds dumb. We'll re- just reread the same thing, so. Rude. You're not going to say that to me. No, I will never say that to you because that's I a dumb thing to say. It is a very dumb thing to say. I think, too, sometimes, like, especially with being on, like, book social media, there's a lot of gatekeeping of, like, almost the opposite of, like, you're not allowed to read this book because it's my favorite. And I'm like, why? Can't we all just have a community where we love reading books and we love stories and we just share all of these stories together and support each other? Yeah. Is that so much to ask for? I mean, she's... Jane Austen said it really well, like, why can't a heroine of one story just support the heroine of another story? Mm-hmm. Hmm? 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 Come on, girls. Let's be let's be supportive. We need to support homies. each other. Yeah. Women supporting women. Also everybody never else. never be ashamed of what you're reading. Humans I don't care what you're reading. Humans. Yeah. Yeah, never be ashamed of what you're reading. Period. Even if it's something that we don't even want to read. And that's fine. Yeah. Like right now, there's a big... A lot of book talk right now is reading, like, pretty intensely smutty books. (laughs) And while Mm -hmm. I don't want to read that, you do you. I could not care less about what you choose to read. I just want to hear about your excitement. Well, and if if it's that or not reading, reading is, I'm always going to support people reading a book. Mm -hmm. Picking up and reading a book, I don't care what level it is, I don't care if it's illustrated like i know manga is pretty big right now yeah which like isn't my it's thing intense. But, like like if you enjoy that like pick up a book and read it like that's that's amazing do it and then tell us about it message us yeah. we want to talk about it we want to talk about all of the things <laughs> all the things so jane austen way ahead of her time i can't even imagine being cool. her and she never got married. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Probably because she was reading novels and that's like super inappropriate. Oh, so inappropriate. <laughs> Unacceptable. Women having ideas? No. No. Thumbs down. <laughs> Don't do Hard it. Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Kay, we've gone longer than we probably should have. Thanks for coming, guys. I had yeah. I had a lot of fun putting that together. I hope you and I hope you Chelsea enjoyed that. <laughs> Sorry that <laughs> yes. you this is not something that you planned. You get the next one. Next Tuesday Tales is is all all Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. So next week we will be posting our review of the book Seeking, Seeking Persephone, Persephone by Sarah Eden, which we already recorded and it's so good, guys. The book's so good. Well, thanks for coming everybody. It's been an adventure. Um, I think that's all I got. Have a fantastic week. Go read a book. I don't care what it is. Go read yeah. a book and then message us and tell us what book you're reading. We would love to hear from you. And we mean that very seriously. Good. We need more friends. 
Okay. All right. Have a wonderful week. Bye, everybody.